This is the Alpaca Podcast for all things alpaca. If you're an owner, a soon-to-be owner, a want-to-be owner, or are just alpaca mad or love the fleece, welcome to the Alpaca Tribe. I'm Steve Hetherington. Hi, Steve here. Thank you so much for joining us for episode two of Alpaca Tribe. Alpacas are great at reaching something quite deep inside of us. I know I'm biased, but it does seem to me that when compared to sheep, there's a lot more behind the eyes, if you know what I mean. When you're watching them, you discover that you're being watched and with great interest. Anyway, our guest this week is Rowan Flindleshale who is a good friend due to our shared passion for alpacas. She kindly agreed to meet up to talk about her experience of looking after a small group of alpacas. Mind you, she didn't need much persuading. I hope you enjoy our ranging over a number of issues, such as learning to care for alpacas, what you can expect from interacting with them, the joys of shearing, or some of them, and the generosity of the alpaca community. As always, if you have any comments or questions or would just like to get in touch, send an email to steve at alpacatribe.com. Here we go. Rowan, thank you for joining me today to talk about alpacas, which I know is one of your passions. Alpacas and talking about alpacas. When did you meet your first alpaca? I met my first alpaca totally by accident um, when people I was working for were given a herd and as I seemed to have the time to spare I was told I was meeting alpacas and I was getting alpacas in two days time. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that was the first time you'd had any direct contact with alpacas? I had seen, uh, the only time I'd seen them live before that was at the farming business development show okay, and yeah. there was the bass were there and they had a stand with some alpacas on and I went and looked at them and thought wow the most beautiful things I've ever seen and discovered they made chicken and sheep guards and there was a running joke from that point that the farm I was helping with should have some alpacas as a right. chicken to sheep guards and then all of a sudden after two months two two years of arguing about it and laughing at it, we suddenly had. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And the the strange thing is because uh, it wasn't, I didn't know that that's where the animals went to, but I was doing some shearing, um, helping out with some people who had some alpacas and and other bits and pieces as well as the shearing, and they needed some support. But unfortunately, the the husband of of the couple died. Um, Suddenly, and all of a sudden, there was a need for a new home for these alpacas. So I'd done some bits and pieces and tried to help work the thing through and all of a sudden they'd gone they, they weren't they weren't there anymore which is really good that they'd moved on to a new I didn't realize they were coming to you and well, I didn't know you that, at the time either so that was really nice when, when we got to, uh, to to know each other and then realized there was that ongoing thing now people ask me have I got a favorite uh, now we've got 40 at the moment so I've got 40 favorites but some are a little bit more favorites than others Absolutely. So, have you, of the the group, you how many did you have? That you we were started with? off with eight. Yes, it was eight. Uh, with a stud male, a six-month-old son of his, and the rest are all females. Uh, with Korea Dew, or Korea at foot, and 
we've been up and down in numbers and I had some added and some have passed and things, but mm. yes, you have favourites, you can't help it. Mm. And my favourite is Wonky Molly. Yeah. <laughs> She is such a sweetie. She is an extraordinary alpaca, mm. very well bred, very beautiful, an amazing fleece. Yeah. And a 45 degree bend in her neck and a heart condition. Yeah. I didn't know about the heart condition, thankfully, I think when I did the shearing <laughs> for her. And it was really, really difficult doing the, the, the shearing the first time. I, I, I have no idea what to do here. <laughs> we need to get the fleece off. And, and we did the best we, we could, and I tried to follow the, the shape of the, the neck, and it was, it was really, because in the fleece, full fleece around the neck, you didn't really see. No, you see she's got a slightly foreshortened neck, and mm. she seems to move in a slightly strange way. But when we got her, it was only at 35 degrees, that bend. Mm. And it was the first shearer that we had after we got her, he went into the bends and he and his helper were horrified. They'd never seen anything like mm. it. And they did shear close and it looked frightening. Yeah. So I changed shearer. I got somebody who's much more gentle with them and has mm. experience of collapsing vertebrae in the neck. And he shears her without going into the bend, so she at least looks relatively straight. straight. Yeah. But the bend has gradually been dropping over the past few years, which impacts upon her spine. So she walks like a Thunderbird puppet. She can't feel her feet right. properly. Mm. And um, periodically things shift. But the vets reckon she's about two years beyond where she should hopefully have gone. And the right. heart condition has improved. She right. went from a grade four to a grade three after she became auntie to a crea that we had. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. I, there's, they're very straightforward most of the time. And, and actually, it, it, it sounds like a horrendous situation. Mm. And, and she was, she's a special case, I think. But um, generally, they're straightforward to look after. I say to people, they're the most complex, simple animals that there are. <laughs> complex, simple animals. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I relate to that. I understand yeah. what, exactly what you mean. The, the, the basics are simple. And if you have the setup and provide what they need and you really understand your animals, it's simple. But at the same time, strange things happen. Each mm. is completely individual. There is no genuine normal because each animal is mm. normal to itself and its yeah. relationships to others. And that's where the complexity comes in. Yeah. They're tough as nails and incredibly fragile. In our case, we, we kind of, over time, have trained our vets. Yes. Um, I hope he's not listening at the moment. Um, I'm going to interview him later, so that'll be all right. We'll, we'll let him put his side of the story as well. <laughs> but it's, they are a bit like sheep, but not. And nothing's licensed for, for use with alpacas because the numbers are not there to have done the testing and all the rest of it. So um, it can be a, a bit of a... A challenge. One of the things that's really encouraging, though, is the the community of people who've got alpacas. Now, that that's just amazing. I couldn't have survived without the community. Mm. Um, the Facebook pages, particularly Alpaca Chat UK, mm. was the key one for me. Yeah. I fell over it completely by accident by right. searching alpacas on Facebook, and that has been the lifeline mm. because there's such a big community there some of the big breeders, there's vets, there's all sorts of people on there. And if you have a problem any time of day or night, if you can mm. post a question, post a photo, and you will get support and help. Yeah. And when the times are really bad and you have a loss or something, there's people there who understand when the times are good and you just need to share that photo of your <laughs> career with yeah. it head covered in hay, they are there to cheer along with you. Yeah. And in a 
an industry, well, not an industry, uh, both industry and hobby, where it's not that common. It's nice to have people who you can talk to who understand. Yeah. Because other people just tune out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There does seem to be that generosity. I found that yeah. right from the, my first connections with, with people in, with alpacas. There seems to be uh, a generosity and an openness and a willing, willingness to, to share um, and to help. One of the challenges is when, when you've just got a few alpacas, um, then when something crops up, the chances of you having seen it before are, are, are lower. And it is difficult then to know what do you do? Is this, is this normal? Is this a problem? What do I do about it? Um, and as you said, being able to talk to somebody, being able to share a picture, being able to, to put something up on Facebook. Whenever I'm talking with people about alpacas and, and buying alpacas from, from us, then one of the things I'm, I'm trying to help them understand is that they're buying the connection with the breeder as well. Yeah. Uh, and in the best situations, that's the practical situations, it, it can be sometimes difficult for that. But that support that's, that, that is there, you're, you're actually connecting with, with people that, that you're buying the animals from. It's not just buying an animal off the shelf. No, that, that, that's the other thing is where, when I got the herd that I was looking after, yes, I got it at two days notice and <laughs> with a, a whole mindful of yeah. every problem that we possibly could have, yeah. either arriving with them or following them. But I was also given a list of contacts and names. Your, your name was on there, obviously. They went into my speed dial and there's situations where just to know that I can pick up a phone and say, what do I do? Mm. Is this normal? And I had that with my, the first time I ever had an unpacking. Um, I, so it's a birth. Yeah, it was yeah. An, a birth. Then it happened very unexpectedly. We weren't expecting, we were told it'd be another month. And suddenly there was a baby, a career on the floor. And <laughs> I didn't know what this anything was that was happening and I was prepared for it I had all my kit but I didn't know what was normal in the afterbirth process yeah. so I rang a pack pal and said what do I do is this normal and was reassured it was normal and I've done the same with you Steve yeah. with the last unpacking I had yeah. when I had a hypothermic career yeah. uh, and what do we do in the aftermath of that and helping yeah. it feed and things like that and yeah it you it is a community it is you're not in isolation and in t to me, in a way, it's almost a reflection of the animals. Mm. The animals themselves are a herd. And the more there are of them, the happier they are. Even though they may not want to talk to the one next door to them and they may not want that immediate contact, the herd is there to operate as a group. And that whole alpaca community of people is the same way. Yeah. We're all there to support and help the rest of the herd. No, it is, it is, it is good. And there is an answer for most things. Um, and sometimes if you ask three people, you'll get four or five answers. <laughs> Everyone's got an opinion. Yeah. Um, and you've got to make sense of all of that. Uh, and different vets will have uh, different medication and stuff that they would tend to, to reach for. But doses and that kind of thing is useful to have a community of, of experienced breeders to be able to refer to, which, which is excellent. So there's a lot of resources there for people to connect to. And you also gain experience by doing. Well, that, um, that's it. And this is where communities, as with the online communities, social media really helps. Mm. Because when you've learnt something new, it's worth putting it out there. And then when you do get lots of information back, you've also got to remember that not the same thing works for the same person and the same animal mm. all the time. So the more information you can gather, 
And the more tools you can put into your toolbox of care, the more you can learn, the more you can help other people as well. Yeah. yeah. And certainly, I think when we started, there was some things which you consider essential mm. and other things that you think, um, I probably need that, but I, I can't stretch to that at the moment. And you can do a lot of things in, in different ways and you don't have to have all of the equipment. You don't have to have all the, uh, the, the, the stuff that, that makes life easier mm. when you've got large numbers. If you've only got two or three alpacas, then you can function very easily. If those things are there, it makes life a lot easier in terms of handling, in terms of, of managing, if you're having to do things get them into a smaller area. The number of times you see something in the field and there's just no way you can get anywhere near to do anything about that bit of bramble that's caught. You've got to wait till you get them into a smaller area. That's it. That, that comes with experience of owning those, yeah. how to do it. But you also can become very inventive as to finding ways yeah. to do things. Yeah. And there's times when you do throw your own rule book out, out of the window and you deal with what's in front of you the best way you possibly can. But mm. yes, you can manage without all the, the frills and ferals. To me, you, so long as you have the basics that are needed for the animals, care and comfort throughout the year, yeah. then the rest you can find other ways of doing it. Yeah. So you had experience of people coming to shear the animals. Yes. Uh, a fun time of year. <laughs> um, and certainly from my experience, they're all a little bit different. And some just accept it and, and are absolutely fine. And others will kick and scream and, and object all the way through the process. The worst one's always the first time you shear them. That's just heartbreaking when you suddenly, your baby is being picked up and thrown down and screaming and crying and spitting and weeing everywhere. And it's all smelly and noisy and messy. But nine times out of 10, if you've got a good shearer who handles them sympathetically, they get used to it. Yeah. And the most surprising ones for me was always the, the worst spitter, the worst temperament out of all of the ones I had. Lovely Lucy, otherwise known as the spitty old bat, uh, <laughs> who would spit at you sooner than look at you. Cool. She was the one who would just lie there dead quiet. She never said anything. She just, yeah, it's that again. Yeah. She might give you a faceful when you got up, but <laughs> <laughs> she just tolerated it, but she'd done it so many times. Yeah. And people have to understand when they are shearing and when you're having to do something to them, if they are objecting and they're screaming and things, it's just their natu natural reaction to what's happening. Yeah. You have to do what you have to do. And as long as you're doing it in a way which doesn't hurt them at all, that you're doing it uh, for a very good reason, you just close your ears, cover your hair. Make <laughs> <laughs> sure you've got plenty these, of hand wash for later. These practical su <laughs> suggestions, do make a note of them. Yeah. Um, one of the things I, I've always been amazed with ours when we've done the shearing is that mm. the it's terrible according to the, the, the noise or the way yeah. the, the animals behave. You finish, you let them up, and the doors open and, and out they go. And you're still busy clearing up inside the stable and they wander back in again. So they can't be so traumatized because they're actually prepared to walk back into the same space where they just had yeah. all, the, all the, the fleece taken off. And some of the, I don't know whether you ever had when the shearing happened, was, were the career around? Oh yes, yeah. I've had, yeah. Um, I had the career, well, career loose around while the shearing and they'll yeah. be in there having a look on what's going on. Yeah. But what, what makes me laugh is with some of them, particularly when they go back into the herd, everybody looks at them like, who are you? Yes. <laughs> or even worse, and like I, I had old and fragile ones, if the weather wasn't 100% and really warm, I would pop a rug on them 
And then suddenly it's this strange creature in their midst and this animal that they've lived with all their lives. They look at it like it's got three heads and everybody's got to get to know each other again. Yes. And the Korea are trying to take the rug off and it, it's just, it's comical, but they, they recover so quickly from it. They and do. They're, they're they understand the intent, it. I think. They do. Yeah. They do. And if, if you think about the fact that in the middle of winter on a warm day, you will find your alpacas trying to climb in the water trough to cool down then you, yes. they must really appreciate it in the heat. Yeah, would they like to be grabbed and, and have things done to them? Probably not. But they def definitely appear to be a lot happier once the fleece is off or once the, the thing that you're dealing with, whether it's a, a problem with a foot or, a, mm. or whatever. So there's a lot of basic things that you kind of keep an eye on and then the things that stand out. I don't know whether, you, did you find there, there were things that you did routinely to, to check on them? Uh, Checking on them is a delight as far as I'm concerned because it's an excuse to sit and look at them. Um, every day was observations on them. Just when you first get the alpacas, the most important thing to me is spending time. Spending time and learning what is normal on them. But with particularly with mine, was checking with they were eating correctly, so making sure they're chewing in the correct pattern, which is a figure of eight roll of the jaws. Checking that when they're sitting down cushed that they are actually chewing the cud regularly. Checking them for the dreaded mites. Um, which more or less are a fact of life that you can get rid of them to a stage but you, once you've got them you've got a constant battle on trying to treat that. Um, bonnet trimming. <laughs> <laughs> Always good for a laugh. Yes. Um, most of mine got quite good about it. I, um, I found if I had a command word that I used when I was doing anything, be it putting on a rug, trimming a bonnet, doing um, an oral treatment or something, if I got, made sure I repeated that word while I was doing it, they gradually learnt what I meant. So that some of the girls would actually, so long as they were in a, a suitably confined area, I could say to them, bonnets. And they knew that that's what was going to happen, that I was going mm. to trim around their eyes. And they may stand there and gurgle and squeal quietly and be shaking with rage, but they'd let me do it because they knew that's what was going to happen and then we let them go. Because whatever happens at the at the shearing, which is usually going to be May, mm. June, uh, depending on the weather, well, it is for us anyway, um, then I mean, I'm noticing we're, we're in December now, mm -hmm. and I'm noticing that, that some, I thought they were perfect, I thought they were, they, I'd done them, done them short enough, but there's some definite curls that are, that are appearing from yeah. a, around the heads that are getting in front of the eyes now. So mm -hmm. there's, there's little things like that which you're going to have to do. Toenails? Oh, toenails are the bane of everybody's life. I, I don't know. People seem to get really exercised about toenails, more probably than it deserves. But. It probably is. It's, I think it's a case of having the confidence to do it. I was very fortunate that I had, I've had two or three alpacas who had been very, very well handled before I got them. Troy, the stud male in particular, and a lovely old female uh, called Amaryllis who would put up with almost anything. So I could train myself on them. Mm. And I was finding, yeah, I could get to the feet. But I think as humans, we get so wound up and anxious about it. Then that transmits to the animal. It only to me takes one or two goes of people wrangling and wrestling and making it stressful that they learn it's stressful. And I had one in particular who um, I bought in as a, to make up a trio with the males. And he was a very, very clever alpaca, very much thinking alpaca. And the more you tried to make him do something, the worse things got. Well, you, you met this, <laughs> you met this character yes. and he was a very big fellow. And the more you fought him, the worse it got. 
And I found with him the best way to do it was actually to do him standing on concrete and not to try and pick up the foot, not to touch the leg, nothing, but to just snip the toe flat on the concrete. Mm. And he would stand and let me start to do that. I hadn't got as far as the back feet. That was going to be a whole different world, but we were yes. starting to do the front feet and he would let me do it a little bit at a time. So it was finding, an, again, finding another way around it for that animal. There's, there's always a strategy that will work. Yeah. And I think we've already said that, that there's what's normal for our mm. packers, whatever that is, um, may not be the same for each individual. There are some, whatever you do, there will be some days that are just different. For some reason, there's a, if you're in a rush, as you say, they're gonna pick up on that, or they're slightly off for, for, for some other reason, and they're just slightly more stubborn and less mm. <laughs> willing to be fiddled with. And you've got to take small wins rather well, that, than- That's rather, it. And, and if, there's an, I mean, if it's an emergency, if there's a, there's mm. a, a cut or, a, or something that needs to be dealt with, and, and you've got the vet out, and you've got to do it, and you've got to re restrain them appropriately, but um, yeah, but otherwise, if, yeah. if it isn't time sensitive, if it isn't an emergency situation, to me, if the alpaca is really in a foul mood or if you're particularly tense and you're not getting it right, it's better to say, right, I'll walk away from this and I'll come back when we're both in a better place. Because I, everybody learns from what they're doing, be it for good or for bad. And whatever your last experience is tends to be what you remember. Indeed. So and alpacas certainly have got they, memories. Yes, they have. So it, it's it's finding you've got to be all in the right place and always have about four times as much time as you need, because if you've got anything time limited, things will happen. Things will go on with the alpacas, or something will happen. There is no rushing anything. Yeah. It's, it's all got to be done in alpaca time. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of your time around the alpacas mm. and looking after them, caring for them and, and just being around them. Mm. What was your favourite thing to be doing or favourite times? I just love spending time with them. I particularly used to enjoy sitting in the barn at the end of the day when they were feeding and they were just interacting or in the summer, if it was a nice warm summer's, summer's day, sitting in the field with them, I'd take mm. a cup of tea or out there and sit in the middle of the herd and just watch them and just be with them. They have this incredibly peaceful aura mm. and they're great stress reducers. They're always going to have one who's going to make you laugh. There's always going to be something going on that you just cannot but smile at. And they, I, I always called it the alpaca smile. And I was very fortunate that my males, well, one was head collar trained when he came, we trained the others. We used to do interaction with them. Right. Actually taking them for walks. And I used to work with all sorts of people, school children, adults with learning difficulties and head injuries and all sorts of people. And we would take the alpacas for a walk with them and we'd let them handle them. And their faces, the first time they actually touched an alpaca. One of my favorites was very small children, if you were hand feeding with them. And the top lips, which of course they've got yeah. two, two lips. And they tickle with the just gentle, delicate so touches. And as anybody's face, the first time that an alpaca takes food off their hands, it is the most magical expression that you will ever see on anybody's face. I've yeah. never seen it. I've worked with many other animals and I've never seen that what you get with the alpaca feeding. Hmm. I had a, a group of partially sighted children and I was very uncertain how they 
a pack of boys would be with them because they were very uncoordinated in the movements and quite sudden, the children were. And in the end, the boys were absolutely fascinated by these children and watching their faces as the alpacas breathed on their faces mm. and touched them and nibbled the hairs and took, with Joe's case, took off their baseball hats because he had an obsession with baseball hats. Um, it, it, that, that is just magical. That is the most amazing thing, watching mm. the effect they can have on people. Mm. So very satisfying being around them yeah. and working with them. The progression through, through things, so there's, there's mm. things to, to you start with and you, you know enough to get started. Well, mm. two days notice. <laughs> um, and then you're learning a lot as, as, yeah. as you go. And then you find that you, you're able to teach that to other people. Yeah, that, that, it, it is a massive learning curve. And I think everybody that has alpacas, no matter how big their herd or how long they've had them, will always say you never stop learning. Mm. But it's very rewarding and great fun helping other people understand. Now, you know, I talk alpacas for days and <laughs> hours and do regularly. But once people are bitten by that bug, they have a thirst for knowledge. And it's, it's lovely being able to share the joy of what you've learned with other people, seeing them pick it up, see them taking it on. And that's one of the big things, again, within the back to the community thing, that if you get good mentors like yourself, um, that you can then share that on. And the, a large part of the herd that I worked with is now with another, another person and I'm working to mentor her. So I still have interaction with my beloved girls. It, it, it's great. It's again, it's a reward mm. and helps build this entire community feeling. Yeah. Brilliant. Right, well, thank you so much for sharing all of those things. Anytime. Um, there's, there's a lot more that we could have <laughs> talked about, and perhaps we will again in the future. Yeah. But thank you very much indeed. Anytime at all. Thank okay, you. Thank you. As you can tell, Rowan is a bit of a fanatic. Very knowledgeable and great to have around for our farm open days. In fact, she has become something of an unofficial member of the Open Day team and helps out fielding questions when we get flooded with visitors. I'm sure you will be hearing from her again. In the meantime, thanks for being here and don't forget to check out the show notes. Anything you'd like us to cover, any questions from this episode, just drop us an email to steve at alpacatribe.com or visit the website if you'd like to join the tribe. You've got it, alpacatribe.com a-L-P-A-C-A-T-R-I-B-E dot com. So, until next time with the Alpaca Tribe, I'm Steve Hetherington.